0: Do you have a favorite month of the year? For many of us, actually, in this room today, March might possibly be that favorite month of the year for us. Uh, My wedding anniversary is this month, so I'm already kind of partial to it, but it's also March Madness Month, all right? It's that time of the year where basketball is king. For some of us, that means nothing in this room, but for many of us here, that means brackets, and smack talking, and you know, staying up late watching ball games, and high blood pressure, and uh, a lot of eating, okay? So it's a full, full month. But it's also a month of spring break for students. And that means, you know, maybe a beach trip, a little extra trip somewhere here, or sleeping in, doing absolutely nothing in order to be refreshed and energized again to get back at school. Hey, what activities energize you what what do you do that helps kind of bring life and you know energy to you a few years ago I participated in an activity that was one of the most thrilling one of the most exciting experiences of my life it really pumped me up in fact I've got a a picture here that uh, I want you to see Uh, there it is right there yeah I I uh, stood over the side of an airplane my feet kind of dangling beside me, adrenaline rushing through me, and uh, 15,000 feet above the ground. And my instructor said, let's go. And we jumped out there, and I realized that there's nothing between us and the ground. And I looked at that picture. There's a couple of things, actually, when I saw that again, I, I sent that, I thought, actually, I'm between him and the ground. So that wasn't a very good thought. But then, look. My nose is as big as my mouth. I mean, that, that wind just kind of, it took like a week or so for it to shrink back down to the size there. That's incredible. Uh, so, anyway, it was, it was exciting. It was exhilarating. It was awesome, electrifying. And as soon as we landed, I turned to the buddy beside me and said, Wow, what a rush. Let's do that again. Um, But I didn't have $250 more, so I had to pass on that experience. And uh, although it was exhilarating and awe-inspiring, I wanted it to last. Several years ago, I was on staff at a a student camp. And we had one of those nights in worship that it was incredible. Uh, the, The Spirit... Began to move in almost a a tangible way. Decisions were being made, lives were being changed. We stayed in that service for some time. We we would just sing, we prayed, we had some conversations, we were sitting, we were standing, we were kneeling, we were worshiping literally for hours. We didn't want to leave because something was happening and it was incredible. I wanted it to last. As we continue in our study in the book of Mark, we find ourselves in Mark chapter 6. So you may want to make your way to Mark chapter 6. Turn on your Bibles or turn in your Bibles. If you use a pew Bible, uh, it's on page 841. But we find a very similar situation. The disciples had just experienced something that had to be exhilarating, that was awe-inspiring. It was a moment that was incredible. But, But as Mark writes this narrative, we see that he moves us along. He insists that we move along to the next situation using a familiar word for those of us who've been a part of this series, the word immediately. Now, in in case you haven't joined with us, this is the first time that you've been a part of this uh, service uh, with us uh, or uh, tuning in online, we've been in a study in the book of Mark, which is one of the four books of the Bible that we call the Gospels. These books tell the story of Jesus' life on earth, and Mark is the shortest of these books. And threading throughout his writing is this theme of urgency. Several times we see the word immediately in his writings. So in Mark chapter 6, I'd like to pick up with verse 45, and you can just follow along as I read. Immediately, there's that word again, he, talking about Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat. And go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up into the mountain and prayed. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the winds were against them. And it was about the fourth watch of the night, which is about 3 a.m. or so. He came to them. Walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and he said, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. What was taking place in this short account, this intense account? It's recorded in actually three of the four Gospels in, in Matthew 14 and John 6 and Mark 6 here. We're not really sure why Jesus wanted to move them so quickly Again, Mark starts his narrative here by saying immediately Jesus kind of moved them on. He he compelled them. He urged them to move on. Mark doesn't really give us that detail of hurrying them along. But if we look over in John's account, in John chapter 6, this is what John writes at the end of the the experience before this. He said, when the people saw the signs that he had done, and this was the feeding of the 5,000 people with the loaves and the bread, uh, the loaves and the fishes. He said, "They said this is indeed the prophet who is coming to the world." Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew to the mountain by himself. It would seem that Jesus knew that if they stayed, the disciples could have gotten caught up in the crowd mentality to make him king. If so, they would have gotten off track with the mission and missed the purpose of Jesus' life, as well as all the other miracles and teachings and experiences that were to come later on. Jesus knew that there was more to come. The rest of the book shows us that. He knew that they needed to move on, there was more that he needed to do and that they needed to experience. The, there's an intensity, if you look in the original language of this, there is an intensity in that word immediately where Jesus urged, he compelled, he actually hurried them along to the boat. It's just, you know, the feeding of the 5,000 was incredible, but Jesus knew that there were more things ahead that would be incredible, and they had to stay on track with that. There was so much more ahead. Well, that was true for his disciples then, and that's true for us today as well. We, we've just come off this incredible week, the GIC, the Global Impact Celebration Week. We, we heard and saw stories of missionaries advancing the gospel in hard, remote, and challenging places around the world. We, we were touched. We were challenged. We were moved. We were inspired. And last Sunday night, we had the, the, the final time of our Week together here. And it culminated in in really, I think, was a special moment. For those of you who were here, we we sensed that. We felt something. We, we were engaged in an experience that was sweet. I mean, the love was evident. The, the experience was almost tangible as we saw and heard what God was doing in the lives of missionary and even here in our church. I saw meaningful conversations taking place that evening. I saw deep emotions, hugs, tears, laughter, love. And I'm sure that for many of us, there was a desire that we wanted to stay in that moment, stay in that experience. For those of you who weren't here last week, you probably have had other occasions like that. You know that vacation that you went on that was just like, It was just at the right time, the perfect place, the perfect season. It was maybe a ceremony that you attended and it was just like Uh, awe-inspiring. Maybe there was some event that was so powerful, so meaningful, it was like you know the, the movie Groundhog Day where you just wanted to keep living it again and again and again. You just didn't want to leave. You know, moments like that in our life are powerful. They mark us. But we can allow those experiences or those moments to sometimes blind us or distract us from the larger reality of our life. The truth that I want us to grasp today is that you were made for more. What this account in Mark is showing us is that because of Jesus The authority that he possesses, that he is the all powerful creator, yet he is personal and real, the desire that he has to want to reside in us and to live through us, that because of Jesus, there is more for your life. And some of us today really need to grasp that truth. You were made for more. The movement through this narrative prescribes for us some reminders that I hope will serve to motivate us today, that will keep us moving forward. As we look in in Mark's narrative, in this account out of Mark's gospel, he reminds us that, that you were made for more, so don't settle. Don't settle. Don't become so familiar with what's around you and so comfortable with that that you lose focus of what can be. Listen. Your resistance, my resistance to the drive for comfort and ease in our life directly impacts our capacity to experience more in life. Our, our resistance to this comfort, the ease that all of us have a propensity to move towards directly impacts our capacity to experience more in our life they had just witnessed feeding now the bible says 5000 men sometimes we just say 5000 men we forget that there are other people there and this incredible miracle where jesus took five loaves of bread and a couple of fish and he, he prayed over it and they were the bible says that they ate and everyone there ate and were satisfied And then at the end, they said, let's collect the remains, and they took up 12 baskets of bread and fish. That's incredible. I mean, can you imagine that little boy who gave up his loaves of bread and his fish uh, returning home to his parents? I mean, they had sent him out that morning to go and get food for the day. And it's it's almost like a punchline. Where you been? Well, there's a funny thing that happened to me on the way home from the market today. And he comes back with 12 baskets of bread and fish. No wonder John indicated in his gospel that they wanted to make him king. I mean, why not? You take your $10 to the king, and he prays over it, and you leave with $1,000. I mean, he's got my vote. That's what the people saw this incredible miracle and wanted to make him king. But instead of hanging around, enjoying that moment, Jesus dismissed them. He urged them to move on. He compelled them to move on. He knew that there was more and that if they stayed in that environment, if his disciples had stayed there with that crowd of people, they could have kind of fallen into the same mindset, hey, Jesus, this is not a bad idea. Wasn't this a sweet time? I mean, we got all these people that we served and it was a great miracle. Let's just hang out here. Let's enjoy this. And they could have gotten off track. They could have settled Jesus knew that our propensity is to want to take the easier path, to want to find that path of least resistance, to enjoy moments like that, and just to settle. Years ago, uh, a a pastor by the name of Chuck Swindoll uh, wrote a book called Living Above the Level of Mediocrity. One of the life-shaping truths in this book is that he explained the gravitational pull of culture to be average, uh, to be like others, to not really stand out, to be mediocre, to just settle. Smart students are ostracized by underachieving students. High-achieving employees are challenged by subpar employees. Hey, settle down. Just kind of be like the rest of us here. Sold-out believers are ridiculed and rejected by the casual, under-committed group of believers. See, all of these are forms of a subtle pressure to settle, to just settle into what would be acceptable, to be average, to be comfortable, And enjoyable. But you were made for more. When we settle, we lose out. As as a part of the the next initiative, those of us who've been here, uh, part of Shades, we know that we're in this next initiative. Many of us, as a part of that, have committed to daily, uh, daily Bible reading and uh, we're, we're in a, a chronological plan of reading the Bible. As I read Numbers 14 this past week, I was really blown away again by how similar I am to those in the Bible. And I'm not talking about in a good way. You know, it really is amazing what happens when you actually read the Bible. Uh, the Israelite people, uh, the, the ones that God called his people, refused to take possession of a land that was promised to them. God said, this is your land, I'm giving it to you. Their lack of faith in trusting God made them want to settle in a place that was less than what God had in mind. And as a result of them making that decision, having that desire, kind of forcing that, many of them, a whole generation, if you will, lost out on God's best. I'm not much different. I often want to settle. When I settle for comfort, for my preferences, or average, for ease, I lose. And when you settle, you lose, others lose, and the kingdom loses. Imagine what our world would look like. Just imagine what our world would look like today if believers before us would have settled, if Billy Graham... Annie Armstrong, or Lottie Moon, those behind great evangelism and and missional movements, what if they had settled along the way? They left a ripple that impacts us today. We would not have the miracles of lives changed. We would not have the stories of of God encountering people in fresh and new and life-changing ways. We lose, and the kingdom loses. Jesus knew that his disciples were made for more, and Jesus knows that you and I are made for more. Have you settled? Are you staying in a place that's comfortable? Maybe it's meaningful and it's special and you like it. It's a safe place. It's familiar. It's a nice place. It's not easy or comfortable to trust God with our finances. It's not always easy and comfortable to trust God with relationships. It's not easy and comfortable to always trust God with how he wants to use your time. And so we want to manage this. We want to keep it comfortable. We want to have our preferences. I mean, we hear stories of the missionaries and the need to serve them on mission trips around the world. And it's not easy to give up a week of vacation, to give away your time, to go and serve in some challenging places, right? So we settle. We want our comfort. But we were made for more. We can pursue to live a life of comfort or we can pursue to live a life for Christ, but we cannot actually choose to pursue both of those at the same time. God created you to enjoy a relationship with Jesus, where you follow him to more, to greater opportunities, to greater challenges, yes, but for his glory and our good. You were made for more, so don't settle. Don't settle. Mark also reminds us that we're to not settle but also to not quit. Don't quit. You were made for more, so don't quit. Keep going at it. Keep at it. Don't quit. Your persistence in the midst of the challenges of your life leads to greater awareness of God's presence and power. Our persistence to keep moving forward brings about a greater awareness of God's power and presence in our life, and we were made for more. Verses 47 and 48 tells us that it's the middle of the night. Jesus looks out. He sees them. There's a storm. John indicates from his writings, again, that they were probably some three to four miles off the shore. How is that possible? How is that possible for somebody three or four miles away to look out in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, and see people in a boat? It's because Jesus is God. Mark is specifically demonstrating that Jesus is equal with God. Who else can do that? Only God. Mark says that he meant to pass them by. He went to them and meant to pass them by. What does that mean? I mean, that just sounds like what's going on here? Actually, we don't know. Somewhere along the way, Jesus communicated to Mark what he intended to do, but Mark didn't reflect that in his writings. Now, maybe he meant to pass them by in order that he could help guide them, to kind of get in front of them. Maybe he meant to pass them by so that he could actually just meet them on the shore. He knew they'd make it, and he would just be there waiting on them. Maybe he meant to pass them by to see if they would actually invite him in once they recognized him or noticed him. But regardless of his intentions of passing them by, Jesus did not set out to go and rescue them. But to show them himself. To send a message of his divinity. It's actually in keeping with several Old Testament passages that indicates that the Lord makes an appearance, as in this scene, in order to show his transcendent uh, majesty, to show his, uh, his divinity in such a way to bring reassurance that I am here. He sees them. He comes to them. He speaks courage to them. He gets in the boat and the storms stop. And they were physically tired. They were exhausted. They were afraid. But Jesus speaks courage to them. He puts courage into them by his presence there, by his words. And he wants to put courage into your life today as well. To give you reassurance, to keep going. Some years ago, a couple of brothers felt God calling them to make movies, but movies that were good movies, good stories, yet that would have the gospel weaved in them to encourage both believers and non believers towards faith. One of those movies is called Facing the Giants. In that movie, if you've seen that, there's a scene. Young football player didn't realize what he was really capable of, and so the coach knew better, and he asked him to step up and do the death crawl, okay? The death crawl. That's where he got down on his hands and his knees, and and he would be crawling, carrying one of his teammates on his back. So he said, how far do you think you can go? Maybe I could go 30 or 40 yards. He said, I think you can do more than that. And so he blindfolded him, and he got next to him and he said, Okay, you can do this. And it's an incredibly dramatic scene. So you need to go watch that today if you've not seen it, all right? But there's this scene where the coach is there. He's urging, he's encouraging, he's challenging, he's motivating to keep him going. And at the end of that scene, he's made the full length of the football field, a hundred yards, crawling on his hands and his feet, carrying a teammate. Today, you need to hear the whispers or maybe you need to hear the intensity of the Holy Spirit, just like that coach, saying, whatever it is that you're facing tomorrow or tonight or this week, don't quit. Don't quit. You are made for more. Keep going. Don't quit. He has more for you. So, students, keep studying Get that degree. Finish that program. He has more for you. Keep praying for that friend. He has more for you. Keep sharing with your office mates or your teammates. He has more for you. Keep working in that marriage. He has more for you. Keep trusting him, even when you're in the midst of the storm or on the mountaintop, and you're not really sure what's next. Don't quit. He sees you. He may seem distant to you, but he's there. You may be afraid or exhausted, and he wants to speak courage to you today by his presence in your life. He knows you, he knows where you are, he loves you, he's got a plan for you, and there's more. The one who walks on water, the one who calms the seas says there is more, so keep going. Keep going. Imagine if engineers had quit along the way. We'd still be cranking up a telephone, right? Imagine if health researchers had quit along the way. We wouldn't have some of the vaccines and the medications that we have today. Imagine if the early church had quit. The way of Christianity would have never spread. Imagine if Jesus would have quit. We would be separated from God forever. And imagine if you were to quit. Jesus has more for your life. so don't quit. In the scene, Mark also reminds us, though, don't settle, don't quit, but don't miss him. You were made for more, but don't miss him. Jesus is the son of God with all power, all authority that can be trusted with your life to do more in you and through you, but don't miss him. Your desire for him personally affects what he will do through you eventually. That's a real simple statement, but your desire for him personally will affect what he will do through you eventually. Don't miss him. Verse 52 is really a sharp rebuke. He said the hearts were hardened. I mean, Mark is also a disciple. He said, the hearts of the disciples were hardened. Somehow in the midst of the miracles they saw, somehow they missed who Jesus was, the Son of God, co-equal in authority in the Trinity. Only God could do what he did with the bread. Only God could walk on the seas and still the storms. They were familiar with the writings of the Old Testament prophets. So they understood. In Job chapter 9, uh, verse 8, says this, He alone, talking about God, He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the ways of the sea. Only God could do that. But somehow, in the midst of all that, they missed who Jesus was. They were astonished. They were terrified. Their hearts were hardened. They, they were not resistant, by the way. Sometimes when we see that word hardened in the Bible, we think that people are resistant, like some of the opponents of Jesus. No, here he's talking about that they just were dull. They just didn't get it. They just didn't connect the dots. They were not hostile. They just didn't fully grasp who Jesus was. They missed the greater message that Jesus is God, and as such, He can be trusted. We're not much different, though. Amidst seeing lives changed, amidst seeing relationships transformed and marriages restored, amidst seeing wonderful stories of God's provision for others, even for ourselves, amidst seeing beautiful and meaningful experiences of worship and adoration, in the beauty of this place that we gather on a week-by-week basis, The familiarity of Sunday mornings with an amazing choir, magnificent display of gifts, in the relevant and humorous and solid teaching of Danny week by week by week. We can still miss him. So, can I ask you this morning have you missed him? I mean, did you come today with this intentional desire, this belief, this expectation that today, at this time, in this place, with this group of people, you're going to meet Jesus? You're going to see Jesus for who he is. Have you paused in the midst of all the activities that we have going on, even this morning, to look to Jesus, to engage with him, to personally receive what he wants to say to you today. Now, I, I grant, granted, in a, in a you know, room this, this large with this many people, there are some of you today who are investigating. You're, you're trying to figure all this out. You're trying to understand this. And we are so, so thankful that you are here. Thank you for this time. But many of us here are followers of Jesus. And I just want to ask, Do we just go through the motions? We take things kind of for granted? Or do we see Jesus? Just like his disciples, we can miss him. And when we miss Jesus, we miss out on the more that he has for our life. So Jesus today invites you to himself. He is the one who conquered the greatest enemy of all, death. He is alive and he invites you into a relationship of trust and faith. He didn't just settle to live in heaven. He didn't quit but made his way to the cross where he gave his life for you and I so that we could know him today. He cares for you regardless of how distant you may think you are from him, Regardless if the storms of your life or your life is cruising along, you're on a mountaintop, he sees you, he knows you, he cares for you, and he wants to be with you. Regardless of how good you may be, how blessed your life may seem, he invites you today on the greatest adventure of all. The most thrilling, exhilarating, energizing experience that we could ever have is following Jesus to what is next because we were made for more more than we can even imagine the passage that bradley read earlier reminds of this very simple truth that god is able to do more than we even think is possible he has more he wants to do more because of the power of jesus in us so today you're more Maybe the more abundant life that is available to you in a relationship with Jesus. And for some of you today, maybe it's inviting Jesus into the boat or into your life. At the conclusion of the service, we'll have an opportunity to talk with you and share more about that for those that the Spirit is working in right now, calling you to himself. For some of us here, the more could be to live a life on mission, intentionally waking up every day to be Jesus with skin on what a great adventure to know that as you go out, you, you are the representative of Jesus to the world, and he's got more for you and for me. You're more maybe to step into a leadership role. You're more maybe to commit to going on one of these mission trips that we have available to serve alongside of our missionaries. You're more maybe to not hold back your finances. You're, you're more maybe to commit fully to leading and serving your family. Listen. We were made for more as a church. There is so much more that God wants to do through us in the days ahead. So don't settle. Don't quit. Let's not miss him. He invites us as a church, but he invites you as well because you were made for more. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that that Jesus is God and makes himself known to us in a way that wants to draw us into a relationship with him. And in drawing us into a relationship with him, Father, he calls us to follow after him. And Father, I thank you for the, the truth of this one scene in Mark where Jesus showed up in order to speak a message to us today in that situation there that, God, we were made for more. So, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit today would remind us that whatever we're facing, to not just settle for what's comfortable, Father, to not quit even when it gets tough, and along the way, that, Father, we not just go through the motions, but that today we see Jesus... And follow after you so that today, Father, we would experience the life that you desire for us because, Father...